chaos. Um, before we get rolling today, uh, Mom, I just want to pray with you. I was standing there worshiping when uh, Omar and our team was leading us in the great I Am, that we serve a God who makes the mountains tremble, the demons run in fear. Uh, but I, I know the fear that rests on parents' shoulders across the country and across the world right now. And I want to encourage you right now that the Lord is not looking for our ingenuity. He is not needing you to, to work outside of who he made you to be. But he is the God Almighty, the great I Am. I want you to know right now, Mom, that Jesus loves your child more than you could ever dream. And I know that sounds impossible. I know he cares more about their health their heart, and their hope more than anything we could ever think. I remember one time Ashley and Connor and I were talking about how much Jesus loves them. And I remember talking, and, and Ashley was probably the one I was talking to at that time. And I said, Ashley, and I had a cup in my hand, and I said, if I fill this cup up with water all the way up to the top, that's how much I love you. I said, but if I take that cup and I throw it into the ocean— the cup is still full because that's all I can give and everything I've got I love you with. But the love of God, his care for you is so much infinitely more than I am even capable of this morning. And so mom, today, I want to let you know, make time to lean into the Lord for his wisdom and understanding. Allow his spirit to be your strength and your guide. Don't worry about the, the things that aren't going exactly like you hoped or, or maybe if you're just trying to manage this chaos because the Lord has a bigger plan and you're a part of it and you're unique in your child's life and he has given that child you for a reason. And that reason is to reflect his glory in the unique way that he made you. So husbands, if you're in the room, kids, if you're in the room, would you just put your hand on mom for a second? Lord Jesus, thank you for moms. The burden that they carry is greater than, than maybe we could ever understand. Lord Jesus, we understand and we know, God, that their faithfulness is enduring, that a mom's love is overwhelming. Father God, I pray that you would minister to our mother's hearts today. That, Lord, if there are moms' hearts who are heavy or weary or fearful or overworn right now, Jesus, that you would be that blanket that wraps them up to let them know of the warmth of your hand, the strength of your song. Father God, would you remind the moms who are planners today that you know every hair on their head, every grass in the backyard of their home. And Father God, you know the steps that they are to take before they even get there. So Lord, I pray that you would let them run to you as moms today so that they could delight and not feel the weight that moms often carry. Lord Jesus, would you let moms know how special they are right now? Would you let them be aware of how you created them, just like they are, different than dads, different than, than roles of aunts or uncles or grandparents? Would you let them know that, that you specifically made them them? 
Lord, I pray that they would shine and they would know your joy in this time. God, thank you for moms. Lord, we love you in your name. Amen. And ladies, listen, um, as we're talking today, we're talking about biblical integrity as things come together. And as we did that, I started to really sink into moms and who you are and what we did. So we've put together a little montage, got some of our kids together, uh, to, and we asked them a question. What do you love about mom? So watch this video. Take a look. Because you're funny. I'm funny? Mm-hmm. What else? Some things that I love about Mama is that she cooks good food for us and she takes us on walks. What I love about my mom is that she reads to us and that she plays with us. I love when Mommy reads and tucks me in and prays for me. I love Mom. What I love to do with my mom is arts and crafts and do devotion with her. I like to do school with my mom, go to the park with my mom, and play soccer with my mom. I love my mom because she's a good woman when she cares for us and she listens. So a couple things that I like about my mom is that first of all, she got me into this world and that she just does everything for me. She cooks, she makes the food that I eat. She just makes life easy because whenever I'm sad, she helps me get back up. Whenever I'm down, she just makes me happier. I love my mom because she's funny and she loves me. Happy Mother's Day. I like that she's nice to us. Um, that she's so pretty that she's so pretty and she loves us. Yes, she reads fairy stories to me. Happy Mother's Day! I love my mommy because she always gets me ready for school. I love my mommy because she always tickles me and she loves me. I love mommy because Jesus made her and I love to help her cook and I like to help her do anything. I love to get hugs and kisses. Because I don't know why I love her so much. Isn't that wonderful? I loved the end of that. Moms, you're so great. We can't pin down why I love you so much. It was a blessing to my heart. And I thought the, the things that children say about dads and moms, they're pretty, they're pretty different, aren't they? We, we can laugh when we were to ask the same questions, and maybe on Father's Day we'll have a little fun with that. Um, but, but when I think about moms and their love and their commitment to their children, I often think of the word integrity. You see, integrity literally means whole and undivided. Whole and undivided. And I don't know what kicks in into a mom. I've never had that role when a child is born. But for a season, everything takes a second seat. And this child is their whole and undivided cause. And then somehow along the way, as we re-engage in all the things of life of, of a mom after a child is born, 
they still have the integrity of wanting the best, of doing what's needed for their children while they continue to be a loving, God-honoring biblical wife and a loving, God-honoring provider and a loving, God-honoring friend. There's an integrity that, that seems steeped and to a degree unique in moms. And as we look at that integrity, we want to make that leap from, from what we see in moms to what a biblical integrity is. Because that, that's what Christ is calling us to as we walk with him. And that biblical integrity means that we are whole and undivided in the way that God calls us to live our life for him in this kingdom life that we have. And, and it's not something that you and I can kind of think of or create of our own. I mean, I, I went through the Old Testament and story after story. I remember the story of David. And, and David, after Absalom, his son, had risen up and done the unthinkable things to him. When, when Absalom was, was killed on the battlefield and the news came back to David, David mourned. And, and his general came to him and he said, listen. I understand your son has died, but all these people, they live for you. All these people depend on you, and you are acting as if you wish or preferred them to die and the world to be lost and for your son to live. And so you got to straighten it up. You see, it was hard for David to have integrity in the call and the role that God had given him and with the way his heart was struggling. We, we can look a little bit further as we look into someone like Samson in Scripture. And, and Samson, this great judge of God, God says, I'm going to set you apart. Before he was born, God said, I have a plan for you. He told his parents. He gave them this gifting and ability to be a judge over the people of Israel. And in this process, what God had given him on the outside was not tied to what was on the inside. As we know, Delilah made her way in. She didn't have to scheme hard. Because his heart was not consistent with his life. And so in that moment, he felt biblical integrity. It didn't line up. We could look at stories from Abraham to Jonah. We could look to, to, to someone like uh, even Esther, who has this moment of, I don't know if I should do it, where what am I doing? This integrity is not finding itself. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 15 by quoting Isaiah chapter 29. Because he realized that there was a problem that we have to look at. And so look at Isaiah chapter 29 in your Bible. We'll read together verse 13 through 16. It says, And the Lord said, Because his people draw near with their mouth, but their, but their excuse me, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. The fear of the Lord is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I again will do wonderful things with this people, and wonder upon wonder, and wisdom of the wise men shall perish, and the discernment of the discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord in your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the things made should say to its maker, he did not make me and the things formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. You see, the, the problem that we faced is that biblical integrity on our own is unachievable. What, what the Lord says through Isaiah the prophet here is that the integrity, the fear that you have in your life of God, it's man-made. It, 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 it smells like the Lord. 
it, it, it seems like the Lord. It, it sounds right. You may be lifting your hand, the great I am. It all runs right. But because it's not of God, what is going on on the inside is causing you to act as if integrity is based on ingenuity. Now, now this may be a hard one for us. But how often do we think about integrity being based on the Lord? How much time do we spend problem solving in the word and in our prayers versus thinking through the way the problem solve in ingenuity? Now, now there's a, a way to give what God has given us back to him, but it only begins when we start with him, saturate ourselves in him, and end with his glory. And so the problem that every single person has ever faced, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, aunts, singles, it doesn't matter, is that human ingenuity does not lead to biblical integrity. It's the reasons that we can have great intentions and horrible outcomes. Have you ever had that happen? A mom's story that I've told a few in our church, Christy for her 30th birthday, I had a great intention. I've never surprised her on her birthday before. I'm the worst surpriser ever. But this time I surprised her because I pretended we were throwing a party for someone else. And I thought, this will be great. She can help prepare the party for someone else. And when everyone arrives, they'll say, surprise. And it will surprise her and she will be happy because we surprised her on her birthday. Ingenuity. But let me tell you what happened. When everyone said surprise, she said, ah, and I slept on the couch for the next three days. I had great intentions. I had, I, had a, I had a great idea. I wanted her to be joyful. I wanted her to be right. But I was planning and looking into what I had to accomplish it. You see, the problem with biblical integrity is that a man-made wisdom, a man-made fear, turns things upside down. If you were to ask my wife today why she thought that I believed her throwing her own party was a good idea, she would tell you, I have no idea. She, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to articulate it. Why? Because it makes no sense to her. What does God say? What you are doing is turning things upside down. You are seeing black as white and white as black. You are seeing day as night and night as day. Your inside and your outside, they're not even kind of matching up. Now catch this. We are all stuck in that rut spiritually. Every single one of us. Listen, I, I've never met... I've never met a mom who didn't want the best for their child, but I have met many moms, many dads, who through their own ingenuity caused their children to struggle. I've looked in the mirror at that dad more times than I can tell you because I, my intentions were right. My desire was to honor God, but my actions were not steeped in his leading. And so I wasn't whole. Have you been there with me? Don't raise your hands, Mom. Today is your day. Don't, don't give away the secret. I want you to know, not only are you not alone, but the Bible says that the whole world is in this situation with you. If you were to look over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, let me, let me tell you a little bit about what Jesus said is possible when 
the problem is impossible to solve. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich, in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespass trespasses made us alive together in christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in christ jesus for by grace you have been saved and through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. You see, we know that we have this problem that we can't have in biblical integrity no matter what because our wholeness can't be bound together. But what the Bible says is based on the Lord's mercy, based on his love for us, that through the avenue of Jesus, you and I are not stuck. We are not found in this problem. We don't have to live in this problem. We have to reside in this problem. And, and Paul's not giving lip service to Jesus. Paul's not just saying you need to, to mention Jesus. You need to know Jesus. He's not just laying into that. What he's, what he's saying is, is what's possible is only possible in Jesus Christ. It's not something you have to earn. It's not a problem you have to figure out. This is not a math problem you need to solve. God, rich in mercy, while you were still sinners, while you and I were objects of his wrath. What scripture says is that that is when his love overflowed to us. Now, I, I can give you a taste, a picture of it for just a second. Mom, have you ever lost your child in a grocery store? Have you ever been pushing that car? I know right now, um, grocery stores are like one-trick ponies. One person goes in, one person goes out. You get in the door, you know, you, you get sanitized and you go with it. But there, remember that time when we used to go to the grocery store together? Have you ever been going down the aisle and you, you've been, you're a good mom, but you lost your child? And, and do you remember what your heart did, how fearful it became and how overwhelmed it became? And then you start looking down the aisle and when you found them, if this is your story, I'm not, I'm not saying this, this could be a friend's story of mine. You found them on the candy aisle, and they look at you like, why are you upset? Obviously, I'm on the candy aisle. Do you remember that fear, relief, love, and anger like simultaneously resting on your body? I bet your child can remind you of what they felt like too. You see, while they're an object of, of wrath because they have left you, you're still seeking them out in love to restore them. You see, in Jesus Christ, that's what we've been offered. We have the ability to have a biblical integrity that we can't have on our own. It's not of ourselves. It's not something we do. It's simply because of his grace and his mercy. And so I want to walk with you because I want you to see this consistency of Christ. 
because this is the picture. If you have nothing else, I'm telling you, you and I have this desire to lean into our own understanding. But Scripture says, trust in the Lord. Don't do that. Don't lean into your own understanding because you aren't whole outside of Him. Lean into Him. And so we've been talking about how Jesus is the one that we lean into. In Matthew chapter 4, we saw him as our example of biblical integrity. As he was led into the desert by the Spirit, the enemy came. And what did he do? He tempted Jesus in relationship so that he might be uh, lacking in wholeness with his Father. The Father's made you hungry. You should provide for yourself. Jesus says, that's not how it works. I live on my Father's word, not by, not by bread or some provision or something. He says, well, listen, why don't you test the Father? Why don't you see if his word is true? Why don't you allow the Father to become subject to you? Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. Because my relationship with my Father depends on him. And so I will not put him to the test. He is the Lord God. And the enemy says, well, why don't you take a shortcut? If, if, the, if the plan is this, why don't you just bypass the Father's will? Every single time he was pressing in the relationship of the Lord. It was all about relationship. Because if the integrity is not there between the Father and the Son, then the wholeness is broken. It's the same that's true for us. And so we see in Jesus that we have this example. Then we looked at Matthew. We'll call it 5a. And, and we find out from Jesus Christ that you and I are happy when we are the followers. That we are the followers. When we're following the Lord, no matter what scenario that we're in, that, that we have happiness, that we have a joy. There's this deep wonder when we are living for the Lord because of our relationship with Him, that we can live in expectation of His truth, of His forthcoming, of His honesty all the time, whether we're sad, whether we're happy, whether we're persecuted, whether we're feeling alone, whatever's going on, that we have this joy when we are following His example. The reason that we have joy when following His example is because we are living in biblical integrity. And the reason that we are fearful or, or, or concerned or anxious or angry in this life is when we are not following the Lord in biblical integrity. And so if you and I were to look back at our lives, we might be able to say the times when I was most anxious, most afraid, most concerned was when I was leaning on my ingenuity, not on the Lord's integrity. And so we find ourselves in, in 5B. We talked about this last week. We looked at how you and I are to be God's witnesses, right? That his, his testimony in the world. What are we doing? We are witnessing through our relationship, through our biblical integrity to the world about the happiness, the joy, the blessing of following the one who is worthy to be followed. And so our integrity is shown in our witness because of our experience through whom we depend on. And today, what we look at is our integrity, our, our, our witness is not just on the outside, but it's on the inside too. Have you thought about that? And see, the righteousness of, of the Pharisees and their journey was about what they were going through on the outside. In fact, when Jesus starts to talk about the, the Pharisees and this 
process. They would have been the rule keepers because they believed that integrity was earned, not given. They believed that integrity, that a right relationship with God, was kept by the things that you do for him. As if the Lord was the muscle and you had to sell enough goods so that when he came by your store, you could pay him off to protect you. That's the mafia. That's not a loving relationship with the Lord. If you and I, through our actions, have to earn, have to earn his relationship, we've messed up. What Jesus says is our relationship is on the inside, and it works itself out. That's integrity. Because there's a wholeness between who I am here and why and how I act here. Look in your Bible with me. God, Christ uses some examples here. And we're going to look at those. The first one is, is anger. The Bible says this. You have heard it said that those of, to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put to prison. Truly I say to you that you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now here's what I want you to see. If we go back to our problem and our possible, what we live like in the present is way harder than the law. The law just said don't murder but Jesus says it's not about the inside. The commandment's not about the inside, outside. It's about the inside. And he doesn't say if you're angry with someone, it's the same as killing them. What he says is it has the spiritual equivalency in your relationship with God. So if your anger with someone is, is there, then it's just as integrity um, breaking, just as inconsistent as if you acted. Why? Because this idea of anger is not just getting mad or upset. The word here means a nursed bitterness. It means a nursed bitterness. Man, have you ever been there? What the Lord says is, this isn't just getting upset because your husband ran over your foot at the grocery store. This isn't just getting angry because someone is attacking you. What the Lord says, if you are nursing this bitterness, if this malice is being fed by, by you, if the anger has settled in your life, then you have lost this wholeness in my relationship with you and your relationship with your, your family or with others. Because there's a biblical integrity that is not there. Why? Because the Lord has called us into a loving relationship with him and with others. He's called us when a brother is stumbling to restore him with gentleness. In scripture, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he says to the Pharisees is, if you are settling in this anger, if you're feeding it and keeping it alive, then you're having a, a break in your wholeness. Biblical integrity, it, it has the, the Lord Jesus 
having control of your heart so that you don't feed it, but he feeds you. Have you ever thought about that? That would be impossible to do. But in Christ Jesus, when it's surrendered to him, our relationship stays whole vertically and it stays whole horizontally. See, Jesus is our solution to our problem. And he goes further and he starts talking about lust. In this scripture, here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her. And if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than you take your whole body into hell. And so here is the second thing. We know if we were looking at, at the things that, that challenge our integrity enough, we know it's our emotions with other people and nursing bitterness. We know that lust in our heart, and again, he's not saying that lust is the same action as adultery, but he's saying that when you or I or anyone give over our eyes to be filled, then we are valuing our self-relationship, the desires of our own heart, that we are thinking about ourselves more than our spouse, more than their spouse, more than the Lord, more than our children, more than the lives around us. You see, lust is about relationship. It's about trust in the Lord. And, and the problem is, is that Jesus says biblical integrity when it comes to lust, it, it takes that thought captive and says, I believe that God wants better for me than my desire on my own. That God wants greater satisfaction for my life than I could obtain on my own. That the Lord is faithful to provide and his plan is better. You see, the world will want you and I in our own ingenuity to lack biblical integrity and tell you that God's desire to regulate sex is some trumped up idea that has no merit satisfy your desire because you know you best isn't that what isaiah heard from god when god said to the people they said that you're calling out to me who are you how do you know what i need biblical integrity says i know who jesus is i'm following i know i'm blessed when i follow him that's the life i want to live i want to witness that in the world but i want to live it in my life do you know and do you believe with integrity that God wants the best for you in your relationship with your husband or wife, your future husband or wife? Do you believe that God's design and desire doesn't rob you for satisfaction, but it sets you up for a greater blessing? Now, listen, we were all objects of wrath. Every single person I've ever known has broken every single one of these commandments. But through Christ Jesus, wholeness and integrity can come where our ingenuity has failed. I don't think it's by happenstance that the Lord puts divorce in between lust and, and, uh, and promises and oaths in this pop part of the deal. I think it's, it's smashed in on purpose. Listen to what it says. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. 
But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of immorality, makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced man commits adultery. You see, there's an an essence of desire and lust and of promise-making that come together in this. We've talked about it before. The, The world, the enemy wants you to think lightly of your commitments and your covenants. Because if your commitment and your covenant is based on yourself, then you do what you want to do when you want to do, and your word is only as good until you decide it's not good anymore. Your covenants are only as good as they're not good anymore. And eventually start to believe the world or the Lord thinks that way too. But the Lord says, my integrity is not based on this moment-by-moment feeling. He says, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. In Hebrews, we hear the author, inspired by the Spirit, say, the Lord tells us he will never leave us or forsake us. Our whole life depends on the integrity and the wholeness of God. And what God says is, in your relationship with others, believers, but especially with your spouse, your biblical integrity, let it be based on me and not what you're experiencing. Don't let it be self-initiated. And then he moves on to promises and oaths. He says, and again you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, you will not, but you will perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or earth, for it's the footstool, or by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. You see, there's something about promising on something that admits that our word is not always unbroken in there. (laughs) Have you you ever made a deal with your children? Mom, I promise, if I don't do it, you can take away my my game or my switch for for a week. Mom, if, if if I'm not home on time, then you can. When you and I leverage something with our word we are confessing that our word is broken and that we are lacking in integrity what the lord says is my people the people who are called by my name should be promise keepers you should let your yes be your yes and your no be your no because why you are witnesses of mine of the blessedness of walking in life with me and you've seen me do it and in Ephesians I am making you able to do it because of my love for you and my grace for you you see all of this isn't supposed to be some overwhelming detailed picture what Jesus is just laying out is this for you and for me is that there is a problem in this world that the kingdom life is impossible based on the ingenuity of man because the kingdom life is found in the integrity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But because of his love for us, being rich in grace and mercy, you and I have been offered an opportunity to be in relationship with God so that our integrity will be based on his ability, not our own thoughts, our processes, or our ingenuities. And his integrity ought to be seen in our emotions. How much more joy, how much more peace is there when our heart is his? That biblical wholeness should be seen in our desire fulfillment. Believing that when I say I trust the Lord with all of my heart, that we give him all of our desires too. 
that, it, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart, not because your heart becomes valuable in the sense of your planning, but because your heart will be saturated in His relationship and your commitments with those closest and with the world around you. When your heart is tied to Him, it's based in His strength. It's based in His power. And a testimony to the world is that we serve a God who is faithful because your yes and my yes means yes because we're promise keepers. Now, I know there's some of you who have never claimed Christ and I'm telling you today that biblical integrity is impossible of yourselves. But God, being rich in grace and mercy, while you were an object of wrath, he sent his son for you. And in that moment, he gave you his grace so that by faith you can experience salvation, biblical integrity. And so this morning, that's where you start. As you lean into Jesus Christ confessing I cannot do it on my own I'm a failure I, I, I see it I see the lack of integrity but I believe that in you I can be whole for eternity but I know just as many people watching are believers in Jesus Christ who have tasted a lack of biblical integrity day after day after day after day listen the father runs to you don't run from him he is calling you waiting at the gate don't, don't be anxious. He's not the mafia waiting to collect. He has a father's heart. He has a mother's spirit, so to speak, because he made them all. The love that we taste, it's a fraction of what he is. So now is the time to confess, to lay your burden at Jesus' feet and let him restore you. Father God, we love you. Thanks for moms. But Father God, more than that, thank you for the son that you gave us in Jesus Christ. We have a problem that ingenuity could not solve. Through Jesus, we have integrity in our relationship with you. So Father God, let us follow him. Let us experience the joy and the blessings of wholeness with you. Lord, let our witnesses be consistent. Don't let us be one way on Facebook and another way in person. Don't let us be one way on the outside and another way on the inside. Father God, we want to be whole with you because we don't just witness to the world. We want to experience fullness and wholeness with you. Grow us, mature us, draw us to you, Jesus, so that your name would be great, so that your power would be shown, so that this world would be led by the Father of lights and not by any human institution or man-made ingenuity. In Jesus' name, Amen.